This is the Heal from Toxic Relationships podcast with me, Dr. Sarah, empowering you to heal from painful relationships to rediscover your self-worth and confidence because you are ready to be the best version of yourself. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode because we are going to be talking about what exactly is a trauma bond? I hear so many misconceptions, I hear so many misunderstandings about what it actually is, and so I'm really wanting to use the space to just bust some myths out there. And also, I want to be talking about why do people end up staying and actually depending on this abusive relationship, depending on the trauma bond, because I know so many people have approached me, friends and families of people who are struggling within a trauma-bonded relationship, and they just don't understand why the person who is really struggling in the relationship just doesn't leave. So they might be telling their loved one things like, you deserve better than this, things would be okay if you left, you're safe now, you don't have to tolerate this. And it's all messages of support, of compassion. But yet somehow the person really struggles to leave and they just want to remain in that relationship, in that difficult relationship. And they sometimes even find reasons and rationales and arguments and they might even start lying about why the relationship is good for them, why the relationship's healthy for them. So I'm really hoping that this will just clear up the reasons as to why people end up depending on this really toxic relationship. And also just to really educate some family members, some friends out there so that it's a bit easier to empathise with what is going on for, for your loved one. So let's begin. What is actually a trauma bond? Well, it is a cycle of love and abuse within a relationship. And so ultimately what happens is at the very start of a relationship, the person experiences so much love, so much affection, so much attention from their partner, from their new partner. But gradually over time, there will start to be elements of abuse. So for example, there may be elements of criticism, there may be elements of negative judgment. And it gets worse and worse and worse over time. But sometimes it's really hard to identify the criticism, identify the judgment, identify the abuse, the aggression, the neglect, because it happens so subtly to begin with. And it's also interlaced with these experiences of love and affection. So, for example, it might be things like, hey, I really don't like what you're wearing there. And so that might be just a subtle comment. You might not even perceive that as criticism. So you go ahead and you get changed. You look somewhat appropriate according to them. You go out. And even though there might be other comments like, oh, you've gained a bit of weight there. Again, another criticism. But during your night out with that person, they pay for dinner, they pay for drinks, they show you off to their friends and they tell you that they love you. 
And so it becomes really confusing because on one hand, you've got the element of criticism, you've got the element of negative judgment there. But then on the other hand, you also have this message of being loved, of them really caring about you. And so it becomes really confusing. And sometimes we don't really interpret that criticism as criticism. But actually, people who are in that vulnerable situation, who are on the receiving end of the criticism, they just see that as, oh, this person, my partner, has got their has got my best interest at heart. So actually, they just want me to look my best. And thank you for that. I appreciate that. And so they might actually start to interpret the criticism as a good thing. But it becomes a slippery slope. And then after time, what ends up happening is, is that the criticism, the uh, neglect, the attacks become worse and worse. And so rather than it being something like, I don't like what you're wearing, it would be something like, you're really stupid. I can't believe that you even just said that. Or you're embarrassing me. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're actually really disgusting. You need to change. You're not good enough. And when we start getting messages like that, that FYI is emotional abuse, but the person doesn't necessarily see it that way because they've already started getting hooked into this trauma bond. Something that often comes up is why would you stay in a relationship when you know it's so abusive, when you are being put down, when you're being told that you're not good enough, when you're being told that you're stupid, like, why would you stay? And you know what, logically that makes sense. And the thing is, is that for certain types of people, if they did experience that treatment from their partner, it wouldn't even be a question. They would be like, see you later, I'm out that door. But the issue is, is that not everybody is able to respond that way. And so there's a certain type of person who is more susceptible to falling into the trap of a trauma bond and actually becoming dependent on this cycle of love and abuse. And so here's a list of examples of people who tend to get susceptible to these types of relationships. So it tends to be people who are high in empath states. So basically they're really, really understanding of other people. They like to give other people the benefit of the doubt. They want to really make sure that the other person feels understood. They might prioritize the other person. Tends to be people who are anxiously attached. So ultimately people who are really unsure about their sense of worth and actually are they worthy for true unconditional love. And they actually believe that their partner will only ever love them if they do X, Y, and Z, if they look a particular way, if they behave a particular way. And so when their partner tells them that they're not good enough or they're too fat or they're too ugly or they're too stupid, it kind of makes sense for them because it's already something that they're already really anxious about and really aware of. But it also happens to people who are more on the other end of the spectrum. It can also happen to people who've experienced childhood trauma. So for example, if during their childhood they were criticized, they were attacked, they were neglected, they experienced aggression, physical violence or emotional abuse from caregivers or from other adults, from other people around them, that can also make you more susceptible to falling into a trauma bonded relationship. 
Also, if you're an avoidant attachment type of person. So there's so many different reasons as to why some people would be more susceptible to falling into a trauma-bonded relationship. And a lot of the reasons, the core issue in terms of why it is they're susceptible is because of two things. The first one is that they question their sense of self-worth and actually they believe that I am only lovable if I do X, Y, and Z. So they believe that they will only be worthy, they will only be seen, they will only be appreciated or valid as a human being if they please other people, if they make sure that other people around them are okay and other people around them are happy with them. But also, the second reason is that it really skews how it is that they see the world. It really skews how it is that they see relationships. And so they never really have a healthy template for a relationship. And so what they end up experiencing is a lot of confusion around what a healthy relationship should look like. And so sometimes what happens is that they confuse what is really toxic, what is really harmful with what is exciting and what is love. So what do I even mean by that? Well, the thing is, is that love involves physical arousal, right? Our body is in a different state. We are aroused in terms of our blood pressure, in terms of our blood flow, in terms of what goes on in our brain. We are just in a state of arousal. But at the same time, we're also in a state of arousal when we are physically emotionally, financially, sexually attacked, okay, when we feel criticized, when we feel judged. And so we also go into a state of arousal, but sometimes people who are anxiously attached or they're avoidantly attached or they've experienced childhood traumas or any of these other difficulties, they start to confuse the two. They confuse that sense of arousal from criticism as being akin to the arousal that you get from love, from affection. And so that in itself can become really toxic because it's really hard to distinguish what is love and what is not love, what is not okay, what is not healthy. The other side of the coin, in terms of the trauma bond, so the abuser, the person who is doing all the criticism or the attacking, more often than not, they, hunt, they tend to have traits of narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder. And I'm saying traits because actually narcissism is on a spectrum. So there are several different symptoms, but there will be a, uh, a variation within that. So not everybody who enters a trauma bonded relationship is with a full blown diagnosed narcissist, but actually they could have elements of narcissism. And so part of the reason why they end up being really attracted to the trauma bonded relationship, the reason why they enter and they're also susceptible is because, believe it or not, people who are narcissistic have also had troubled childhoods. More often than not, they also tend to be anxiously attached. They also tend to be um, experiencing childhood traumas and that might involve neglect, it might involve abuse, it might involve criticism abandonment. And so they also have real difficulties in terms of their self-worth and in terms of how it is that they perceive relationships. But the thing is, is that they develop this persona of narcissism. They develop this grandiose sense of self and, and they project that onto other people. They show that off to other people as a form of defense, as a form of protecting their vulnerable side, as a form of protecting their self-worth that they feel a bit shaky about. 
narcissism. I'm going to be doing another topic on that another day, but it's just something for you to bear in mind that actually, regardless of the side of the trauma bond that you sit on, there is the element of vulnerability. There is the question, the doubt in terms of how good enough am I and this real question of self-worth, but then there's also this real confusion in terms of what is a healthy relationship. And so what happens is you've got these two sides of the coin and and both persons are susceptible into falling into this trap of love and abuse and this cycle between love and abuse. But over time, it becomes really, really confusing and it's really hard to see where the defining line is. It's really hard to see what is healthy and what is unhealthy because you are just so absorbed within the situation. So why do people end up becoming so dependent on remaining in a trauma-bonded relationship? Well, the first thing is, is the experience of love. Now, within a trauma-bonded relationship, both people feel very vulnerable. Even though one person might be more uh, okay and with their vulnerability and they admit their vulnerability a lot more than the person with the narcissism traits, they, they present a grandiose sense of self. But ultimately, they both feel really vulnerable and they both really question how good enough are they. And what they're really looking for is to be seen, is to be loved and to be loved unconditionally. They're looking for getting that attention and that validation. And so when the trauma bond cycle hits that love point, they both feel amazing about themselves, but they also feel as though they are finally seen, they are finally validated. Their self-worth is met by this other person that they're in the relationship with. They don't necessarily see it as a toxic pattern but they see it's oh finally this person sees me they understand me and I feel loved in this particular moment and so they end up depending on this relationship because they're constantly seeking that validation they're constantly seeking to be seen And so when they get that sense of worth, they know it exists. They know that that other person has had the potential to see them. So why would they say no to that? They're constantly tolerating the discomfort in order to get that validation again. Now, what happens though over time is that the person who is more vulnerable, so the empath in the relationship, they're tolerating the abuse in order to get the validation of their self-worth. Whereas the narcissist wants to continuously get their validation of their worth to be met through the actions of the empath. So the empath works really, really hard to please the narcissist in the relationship. And so the narcissist on some level believes, okay, so I I must be worthy because this person is obeying to what it is that I want and what it is that I need. And also they end up feeling as though they are seen because the empath is automatically responding to all of the criticisms and is still showering 
the narcissist with all the love, all the praise. And so they both depend on the relationship for slightly different reasons, but the empath is simply looking for validation of their worth. They're simply waiting to the next time that they're loved. And the narcissist is dependent on the relationship because they end up having a sense of stability. They end up getting told that they're good enough. So whenever they criticize and they attack, they have their need being met. And so it's almost like they're testing the boundaries, they're pushing to see what's gonna happen, but that's okay. They're still getting unconditional love from the empath over here. So they feel like that they're guessing something, but also they keep pushing the boundaries in terms of seeing what else can they get out of the relationship? Like, is this love really unconditional? And so they may not believe that it's con unconditional. And so it's almost like a continuous test, a perpetual test. And so if the empath says, hey, why are you doing this? I'm stopping, I, I, like, I can't tolerate this anymore. The narcissist goes into the mode of, you really don't care about me, do you? And so they almost see that as validation. They see the boundary as validation that they're not that worthy. And so when the empath is met with that comment of, hey, you don't love me anymore, it becomes really difficult to know what to do because the empath still loves them, still sees their vulnerability and wants to care for them. And so the boundary shifts in order to validate the self-worth of the person who is on the narcissistic tendencies. And so they end up depending on the relationship for very different reasons, like mentioned. The other reason is for emotional regulation. So the first reason is around self-worth. The second reason for dependency is around emotional regulation. And again, it's slightly different for both parties, but ultimately both people want to feel safe. Both people want to avoid anxiety and both people want to feel calm. But what happens is that the empath is reliant on the narcissist to alleviate anxiety. So the empath is constantly in a state of anxiety and hyperarousal, and they're really worried about, oh crap, am I good enough here? And they're just working really, really hard to please their partner. And so as soon as their partner says, okay, you've done well there, or all oh, right, yeah, you look good here, or oh, interesting point that you've just said there, you're intelligent then all of a sudden it kind of alleviates the anxiety that the empath is experiencing and they feel okay. But then the anxiety starts again because they're not able to maintain that approval. And so they're working really, really hard again to get that approval, to feel good enough, to feel safe, to alleviate that anxiety. And also they might be alleviating anxiety for other reasons. So to be good enough, but also it is to feel safe in the relationship. So actually you're not going to leave me because there may be a threat of an abandonment in that the narcissist says things like, if you do that again, I'm going to leave you or oh, I can't believe that I'm tolerating this situation with you. And so they're doing whatever it is that they can do to salvage the relationship. So they're really trying to regulate their emotions and they're also trying to regulate their emotions because they have no idea what life would be like and they're frightened of what life would be like without this relationship, without the narcissist. And so they're just working really hard to feel okay, to alleviate anxiety, to alleviate this hyperarousal state. 
Whereas the narcissist, they rely on the relationship for emotional regulation for a slightly different reason. Because the narcissist also does experience some form of hyperarousal in terms of um, doubts and anxieties around their self-worth. But at the same time, they experience a lot of anger, they experience a lot of uh, frustration and irritability within their emotions. And so that really comes from an element of wanting to control and wanting to dominate and wanting to really possess the top of the hierarchy within that relationship dynamic. And so ultimately what they're wanting is to be in control so that they avoid feeling helpless, so that they avoid any negotiation or any question in terms of how good enough they are, how worthy they are, like if they're being attacking, if they're being horrible or any of that narrative. And so what they're really looking for is regulation to keep them in the state of power, to keep them in the state of control, that actually, yes, you are in control and you are good enough to be in control. And so they do whatever it is that they can do to maintain that status quo, to maintain that, um, that hierarchy imbalance and again regulates their emotions that way. The third reason why people may be dependent on a trauma bonded relationship is actually for practical reasons. So after time what happens is that the person who's the empath who's vulnerable in this situation they end up losing a lot of friends. They end up feeling socially isolated. They have no idea where to go and they just feel really, really lonely. And they might even have their finances under control of the person who is dominant in the relationship, the narcissist. Their house might be provided by the narcissist. The, um, the the car, the possessions that they have, just kind of general standard of living is all controlled and possessed by the narcissist. And so the empath feels very alone, feels very helpless in this situation. So what are they going to do? They actually rely on the narcissist for living, for just their basic needs to be met. Whereas the narcissist might be relying on the relationship on a practical standpoint for very simple things. So it might be things like having dinner ready, having the bed sheets washed, whatever it might be. And even though that these are really small things, but these are small things that the narcissist doesn't particularly want to engage in because actually it feels like it's beneath them. It feels as though actually that is the labor that the servant should do, which automatically goes to the person who is less in control and less powerful within the relationship. And so in a really weird way, actually, there is this level of dependency, codependency that's created within the relationship. And so it becomes really, really toxic in that they both rely on this relationship but they both rely on it for very different reasons and obviously the person who is more vulnerable the empath or who is anxiously attached all those other things they are the ones who struggle and suffer the most because they end up becoming really helpless to this particular situation. And so I would really invite you, if you've got a friend, a family member, or if you've got a colleague, anyone that you know of who has really struggled in this sort of situation and relationship, I'd really invite you to support them in seeking help. 
So I'm a massive advocate for therapy, obviously, and I think everybody could benefit from therapy, but particularly for these people, because actually they just really need a safe space that is separate to their natural environment to really unpick issues around their sense of self-worth. Because ultimately the biggest relationship that any of us will ever have is the relationship that we have with ourselves. And the moment that we recognize that our worth is infinite, the moment that these vulnerable people, the empaths who are in these trauma-bonded relationships realize that their self-worth is absolutely infinite and they are not needing to rely on their narcissistic partner to give them that validation, they are no longer needing to depend on that partner, that actually they are whole on their own and they can self depend, they can be totally independent, that is the moment that they will really unlock their freedom and feel safe enough to leave this toxic relationship. And so with that in mind, if you're ever looking for support or you're wanting to recommend um, support for your loved one, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm at heal toxic relationships or my website healtoxicrelationships.com and I really look forward to hearing what it is that you've got to say about this your thoughts and take care until next time